Strava Craft Coffee is rich CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-Cups for your Keurig. You can get it whole bean or you can get it pre-ground and you can always get it sent straight to your door for 20% off when you use the code DNVR20. So head over to StravaCraftCoffee.com and get your CBD-infused coffee today. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. They'll put a dynamic education at your fingertips. They'll give you rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. So make sure you head over to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. We're talking 40 plus online and hybrid programs. 750 total classes so it's msudenver.edu slash online make sure you check it out and get that degree that you have been waiting to get my boys <laughs> happy happy <laughs> monday fellas how are you doing uh doing fantastic had a great weekend ryan you had you had quite the weekend too we got to see the broncos over the weekend so i'm doing fantastic today mace how are you i am unmuting here i'm doing very well to Good start to the week. A little bit of a short week for me relative uh, to you guys because I won't be on on Friday. I'll be uh, dashing across the Midwestern United States to Wisconsin, from which point I will be doing next week's podcast. But, okay, we'll make it count. We'll, we'll, I'll squeeze five days' worth of hot takes into four. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you said that you were uh, unmuting yourself, and uh, the Broncos unmuted themselves this weekend and made sure that their voices were heard as they organized the peaceful protest through Denver. And all three of us were there. Funny enough, uh, Mace and I ran into each other briefly. Uh, I never saw Zach. Did you, did you and Mace run into each other? Yeah, I we, did. We, we did <laughs> up at the front where the, because they were keeping, they, they had a lot of the media. They wanted them, they wanted them up front because they, they kept trying to make sure players were up front and get some of the uh, just the, the fans and regular marchers in the back because they wanted the Broncos to lead, but they also want to make sure that the media was out front to document and chronicle it. And that's where uh, it, it was a downtown intersection, right? We ran into each other and where the play, they were kind of reorganizing everybody to take some pictures. Yeah. And, and Ryan, I, uh, Ryan, I responded to an Instagram that you posted yesterday and said, did you take this photo? And you said, yeah, I certainly did. And I said, how the heck did we not see each other? Because I'm, I'm telling you, we were like uh, six feet apart. We were social distancing apart from, from where I was standing and where the photo was taken. But you know what? It just shows how many people were, were down there and how many Broncos were down there. They had over 50 players there, all 25 coaches, including Vic Fangio. You had Joe Ellis there. You had members of the PR staff. It was, it was truly an incredible turnout from the Broncos. Yeah, and you kind of uh, touched on it a little bit there, Mace, but to me, the most incredible part of the whole thing is once the actual march itself started, uh, the Broncos were just amongst the people. And, mm -hmm. and I'll be honest, it's not what I was expecting. 
Uh, I thought there would be a line of Broncos security kind of protecting them from the public and separating them. And it wasn't that way at all. I mean, you did have a, a lot of the Broncos at the front, but it wasn't like a line of Broncos at the front. You know, they were just kind of scattered throughout the front. And, um, you know, obviously the main reason people were there were for the protest and for the march. But, you know, uh, if you were there, you had a chance to go say hi to Drew Locke. Uh, you, and, and not just media, I'm talking about just a fan could have introduced themselves to Drew Locke or Jerry Judy or Bradley Chubb or Cortland Sutton or Justin Simmons. And I thought that was really cool. To me, it made it a lot more powerful that they were really quite literally standing with the people. Yeah, yeah. That, that was tremendous. And one of the things that I liked as well was uh, seeing people come up to the, the Broncos players and, and, and they were thanking him for being there. But the Broncos players were pretty grateful for the opportunity as well to do this. And, and also I, I don't want to just say players. I want to say coaches because uh, they were involved and they were right there um, marching with the players. So um, it was actually pretty cool to see Pat Shermer uh, getting a chance to, to march alongside Dalton Reisner and Drew Locke for part of the march. And uh, you kind of saw the future of the offense come together as well. So there were a, a lot of really cool, really cool, really wonderful sights uh, that went along with it. And uh, just, and the fact, just the fact that it, it happened, it was, it was peaceful. It was, it was civil. It was everything that you, you hope that a protest uh, can be. And it was, it was, it was powerful. I mean, that, that was the other thing. It, it was really, it was a really powerful sight to see, like to see Cortland Sutton, to see Justin Simmons, Drew Locke, Dalton Reisner, everybody, you know, everybody chanting, everyone, everyone marching along for a common cause like this. It was it was one of one of the most uh, one of the most significant things I've ever I've ever been a part of in my years covering this sport. And frankly, I, I don't know if I speak for you guys here, but I mean, I was covering it, but I felt like I was I was marching too because I'm in their corner on this. Yeah, but with without a doubt. And one of the things that Justin Simmons said in his speech um, right before the march itself was, "We're not here as Denver Broncos. We're here." as members of this community fighting for the same cause as you. And that's exactly what they proved. Cause like you said, it was so cool that the Broncos were just, uh, they weren't sectioned off. They were with everyone else showing that, that they are fighting the same cause that everyone else that was there was. Yeah. And, and, and I wanted uh, the players to know that too, because uh, I'm right there with you, Mason. You know, I told the guys, I'm, I'm not going to stick a recorder in your face or anything like that today. Like, you know, that's not why I'm here. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm with you that it was, it was extremely significant and uh, a special moment to be a part of that I don't think I'll ever forget. And you know what, you know, you see some people uh, bashing them for it and saying they're canceling their season tickets and all this other stuff. And, and honestly, it's, it falls in line with some of the stuff that we've uh, had. You know, we've got one-star reviews on iTunes for speaking out about this. We've had people unsubscribe from the website, and it's just like – and everyone who does this says something about politics. And, you know, we said it from the first day that we started talking about this. It is not politics. You know, this is not a political issue. This is, this is about what's right and what's wrong, you know, bar none to me. And I think it's it's very, very clearly a right side or wrong side of history type of thing. And we're not going to be on the wrong side of history. 
And the Broncos made that very, very clear uh, because they all wore the exact same shirts and masks. The masks said, I can't breathe across them. And the shirts on the back said, if you ain't with us, you against us, making it very clear, just like you're saying, Ryan, uh, they aren't afraid to take sides on this one. Yeah, and, and I don't think anyone should. Yeah, and I think it from the Broncos' perspective, and it's one thing to have the players, but to have the coaches, to have Joe Ellis, and to have the organization backing them up so publicly, this is, it, the organization has taken a stand as well. And that's something that that's also powerful. And, and frankly, it's led to uh, some of the vitriol among some quarters on social media. But, you know, I, I kind of view these things as uh, opportunities. Maybe, maybe you lose, maybe you do lose some people, but maybe you gain some people as well. Maybe some, maybe a, a huge portion of your fan base becomes stronger because they see that the Broncos are standing up for something that is righteous. Yeah, and, and honestly, uh, if you lose people over or over speaking out for what's right, uh, you probably didn't need them anyway. Um, so, anyways, let's move on because there is some <laughs> NFL news today, uh, and it is a lot to digest here. As uh, I believe Albert Breer leaked the protocols that are going to be in place for NFL teams this season, and I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting this. They are vast. Yes, it, it is crazy. When, when I kept reading it, um, I was just shocked at how in-depth these protocols are. Now, there's no date for players to return, but once they do, it is going to be it, – it's, it's honestly going to be safer than hospitals. It's going to be the safest place that you can be. Uh, what they did was they – three tiers on um, kind of classifying how important each person is in the facility. Tier one, players and some coaches. Uh, tier two, the other coaches, GMs, um, other people that may have contact with players and people in tier one. And then tier three is cleaning people, um, the facility people, other people that have to be in the facility. Um, and that have no contact with, with those tier one people. And what they're doing is making sure that those tier one people, AKA the coaches that have direct contact with players and the players themselves are as safe as possible. I mean, you might as well put them in, in six foot bubbles with hand sanitizer and COVID tests on them because they are going to be pretty much that safe when they're in the building. Yeah, and they're going to have to transform a lot of the, of the building to, to make this work because, for example, you were talking about having distancing in the locker rooms. And there are some locker rooms in the NFL that are so massive. You can pull this off. I think back to uh, when I worked in Carolina. They were based at the stadium. So the stadium locker room, it was their game day locker room, but it was also their, their midweek locker room. But it was massive, probably four or five times the size of the Broncos locker room they have down there at Dove Valley right now. So it's going to be fairly doable to just have players taking up every other locker space and then put some lockers in the middle of that huge open common area to maintain distancing and make it happen. The Broncos 
they're going to have to go through some gymnastics in all likelihood to make this work because while they renovated the team locker room and team facility in the last few years it's certainly not one of the bigger locker room spaces in the nfl they are it's already real so tight in preseason that we that's one of the reasons why we don't go in there and conduct interviews in a normal environment until you get to the regular season because the the locker room is so tight so they're going to probably have to do some some things like maybe using the field house locker room for some of the players splitting the team maybe even splitting the team up into into two having some guys in the field house locker rooms some guys in the primary locker rooms they're going to have to transform that building to uh to, to make it work and it this incorporates so many areas guys this the nfl even has a section on how food should be served basically saying no should be whenever possible pre-made meals in individually packaged containers no more buffet which for some players is going to be a huge disappointment because and even some <laughs> staff as well because one of the perks of being at Broncos headquarters is having access to a pretty amazing buffet on a daily basis. Uh, that's going by, that's going by the wayside. So it's, it's pretty transformative as far as how these teams are going to have to go about their day to day business guys, based on how I'm reading this, you're not going to be able to have the team in the same room for a meeting. If you want to have a team meeting, you're going to have to do it outside with distancing where you are spacing the chairs apart, basically. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, they are suggesting virtual meetings when at all possible. Um, if you need to have a big team meeting, it has to be outside. And w when reading all of this, you, you can only have 15 players uh, working out in the strength room at one time. So the schedule is going to have to be completely flipped on its head, um, as well as the way you use things. This just, to me, uh, the Broncos are so thankful right now that they have the Pat Bowen field house because the Pat Bowen field house can be that second locker room that you were talking about Mace. It can be that indoor outdoor uh, facility for team meetings. It can be the indoor outdoor facility um, for some strength things for some conditioning right. things. That's going to be key, but Mace it's, it's turf. And, and you said one of the things in there that said turf has to be cleaned after it's used. So they're going to have to clean the turf anytime they yeah. use this. I mean, this is, it's incredible. I mean, everything that, that is touched needs to be wiped down by hospital grade cleaners, it says. Um, and even things that aren't necessarily touched need to be cleaned three times a day. And this isn't just for the first two weeks that players are back or something like that. No, this right now, and of course it can change, but right now, this is in place for training camp, preseason, and the entire regular season. Yeah, and thinking of what the team has to provide, the training staff, the medical staff, they've all got to have PPE just like you have at a hospital. So they've got to have N95s and they've got to have face shields. They've got to, they've got to equip themselves basically as though they're running a little mini hospital here for the players to make sure that safety protocols are maintained. I give credit to the league and this is, it's the doctors and I'm sure some lawyers involved in crafting this. This is comprehensive. This is massive. This is more comprehensive even than the document that we got from the NHL a few weeks back on uh, what it was putting in to its return to play. But uh, it's, it's going to be fairly transformative for how teams go about their daily business this year. Yeah, it's going to be a lot. And uh, as 
I guess, tier four personnel on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to have to wait and see what it's like for us. Um, We, you know, uh, media notably omitted from any of those first three tiers that were mentioned there, uh, which is understandable. Uh, But, you know, I think they're going to have to get creative, or I I shouldn't say have to. I hope they get creative in, uh, in how they allow us to continue to have access. You know, I was thinking about it as we were just talking here training camp maybe there's a way to just have a media area that's far enough away or whatever that we can go to or maybe they can have a closed circuit stream that you know each media member has one login and you can't share it like that login can only be used by one person uh and you know you you can watch uh the training camp practices via stream and you could use that same software for doing roll call on players Mm -hmm like we do on a daily basis. So we know who to ask the coach about why wasn't so-and-so at practice. Um, so, you know, like I, I understand uh, safety is the number one concern here. I just hope that instead of it being an excuse to cut back on access for the media, they at least look out for us uh, in a few different ways. Uh, one thing I will say though, is that uh, I'm glad we uh, are well-versed in doing the podcast not at Broncos headquarters. We learned how to do that last year. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great, that's a great point. Now, one thing we obviously don't expect fans to be at training camp practice this year. I think that boat is something that has sailed. So one thing that maybe they could consider for the Broncos specifically is you've got that hillside and I'm sure you guys have seen pictures of beaches around the world where they're maintaining social distancing and literally they have like squares or circles kind of marked off. So you can have like one group of people in one area and then have distancing. So, I mean, maybe it's something like taking the hillside, marking off a bunch of squares and saying, okay, well, this is one media member sits here. One media member sits here. One media member sits here because the one thing that's going to be fascinating as we get into the mid to late summer is that, For the first time, the NFL is going to have some huge competition for eyeballs paying and and clicks for paying attention to training camp because you're going to have the NHL and more prominently the NBA playoffs going on at the same time that are going to suck the air out of the room a little bit and provide competition for the NFL to get attention for training camp in a way that it hasn't faced. So I think if the NFL and the teams are are wise in how they go about this, then they should want to have media still there watching the practices in some way, shape, or form to kind of drive the coverage, to drive the buzz, and make sure that in in spite of what else is going on in the other sports having their postseasons in this altered year, that they still – get the spotlight because we know how the NFL wants to own the entire year. I think they'll, I think because of that, they may find ways to make sure that at least the media can be there to watch. And in some way, even if it's via individually set up Zoom conferences in some way, connect with the players. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that because the NFL is king and that's for a reason and they, they know how to control the media. But guys, one thing this thing doesn't address and, and I didn't expect to is what happens most likely when, not if, a player does test positive for COVID. And they said that at the beginning of this document, they said that was something that 
you know, they're working on or they want teams to, to have protocols for. But obviously, you have to imagine there's going to be a 14-day quarantine um, where, where that player does not get access to the building, where they are not playing games for two weeks if that happens during the season. But then are they, let's say it's a Patrick Mahomes type uh, of impact player, a quarterback position. And of course, you don't want that for him, even though he's on the Chiefs. But if that does happen or when that does happen, because the NHL commissioner said, we understand a player is likely going to get COVID. um, And it's just about, we, we don't believe that we're going to have to shut the league down when one person gets it. But we understand that we have to have protocols in place to understand how to deal with that. Okay, so what happens? This person is no longer allowed in the building for two weeks. How much does that throw a team off if it's a starter, if it's a quarterback, if it's your star? How do, how, how do teams adjust and what does that look like? It's going to be incredibly fascinating. So you have all of these things where uh, how the entire week is going to be different, but then at some point it's going to be thrown in where – Key players from multiple teams are out two weeks. It's going to be a season like we've never seen before. Yeah, we haven't addressed like roster size and things like that, practice squad size, that sort of thing. And there are only some early rumblings about whether camp might be extended to, by a week or two just to start getting players in shape because they've lost OTAs. So this answers, I think, the questions of the logis- – this document answers the questions about the logistics of operating in a pandemic world. What we don't know is some of the, the football ramifications of it because if they decide, okay, they're going – you know, we're going to go on and play as long as there's not like a huge outbreak on a team, then they're going to have to face down a scenario where a star player has it and. I mean, you say Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I hate to say say for the Broncos, but they could go from Drew Brees if he comes down with it. What if there's an outbreak in a room and all of a sudden, like a team loses its starting quarterback, but then also loses its backup quarterback because the quarterbacks are in closer proximity than maybe players at, at than maybe they would be with, with players other positions because they're not in the same room with them. So it could be that you have these outbreaks and then the outbreak is at one position group. And then what do you do? That's it's one thing to lose a player or two, but what if you lose six guys at one position group, like six offensive linemen, this is going, this, this is, there are going to be some challenges that we haven't quite got our arms around just yet. Yeah. And anything like that is on the table, but this also isn't, you know, a new thing. The, the Jets lost their starting quarterback for a month last year because he got sick. You know, obviously this one uh, is, is a lot more publicized right now, but uh, it's happened before. It's not as if players never got sick before. So this one will be really interesting. Uh, one thing I noticed, though, is the NHL has said it's only a seven-day uh, mandatory quarantine for a player if they get it, which is interesting. Maybe they have some information on why they why that's less than you know the 14 days that everyone has become accustomed to so there's different stuff like that uh it could create some some really interesting challenges uh you know hopefully what we'll see is if if someone does get it it's more like the utah jazz where it didn't you know and they didn't have any protocols in place at that point and yet only one other player got it beyond rudy gobert so hopefully that's a, a little bit closer to the type of stuff we see rather than you know, the kind of doomsday scenarios you guys were talking about, but you do have to probably allow teams to do things a little bit differently uh, in terms of roster size and whatnot so that 
we don't have something like that happen. Yeah. By and, the way, and, it hit me on. Sorry, it hit me on the road. How do you get guys in in Kansas City <laughs> for the visiting team? The visiting team. You've been in that locker room. Oh. Kansas City, Buffalo. These places are equipped to handle the home teams. They're not really equipped to handle the visiting teams with distance. There's going to be yeah. a lot that has to be done. Yep. yep. I mean, they, they have all sorts of rooms in these stadiums, so they might just have, you know, uh, the receivers have a room and the quarterbacks have a room and it's all spread out. Mm-hmm. And instead of press, now the press box is a locker room. We'll we'll see, but maybe that's why you're seeing such strict guidelines coming in from the NFL and the NFLPA right now is so that if a player tests positive, um, you, you don't have to worry too much about the guys he's been around because that that's a big thing is contact tracing. And if one person has it, who have they been around? And those people need to quarantine themselves. And instead of, Mace, like you're saying, instead of having an entire room out, the NFL and NFLPA can say, okay, if, as long as the people that were around him don't mm-hmm. test positive for COVID, we don't need to put them in quarantine for two weeks and have all of those guys miss uh, two weeks of football. Instead, uh, we can wait and s- test them every day. If they don't test positive, then they're allowed to play. And so maybe that's why they're being so strict about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 15 people in a room. Uh, that's a big room, six feet apart, everything or most anything you can do outdoors, do outdoors, anything you can do virtually, do virtually. And teams, you know, may may see these rules and say, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. But then once they realize, OK, it's so that if one person gets sick, he's the only person that we lose for one or two weeks. And maybe maybe they will adapt to that. And maybe we will see, um, you know, half the day be virtual. That would shock me. An NFL coach doing that, but heck, maybe that's what we see for this year. It would shock me, but at the same time, one of the things about this year is everybody adapting. Shoot, we may see certain aspects of teams and how they operate in the offseason, how they operate pre-draft that look a lot different than they did before just because they were able to pull off the month and a half leading up to the draft without a hitch in the end sum. And they pulled off the draft remotely. So I think we've seen the NFL pass every test of adapting to this new world so far this year. I don't have any doubt that they're going to pass this test as well and that they're going to adapt successfully to it and find a way to make this work. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, you, you mentioned maybe getting players in shape with a little bit early training camp. And we know that the Broncos – uh, at least many members of the offense have been saying in shape, doing workouts together. Um, Jerry Judy joined last week and has been throwing with Drew Locke every day since then. And uh, today, KJ Hamler is joining the fold. So uh, the whole uh, gang is getting together, and that's really exciting. I actually had the opportunity to meet Jerry Judy for the first time at the protests on Saturday. And, uh, you know, really impressive young man. We've talked about him on the podium and he is very quiet uh he is not a a fire quote you might say but talking to him on the side of uh, you know I maybe spent five minutes chatting with him uh I was really impressed he was a lot more um personable than maybe what we saw from him on the podium at the combine and when we heard from him on his zoom conferences so uh it was great to meet him and, and great to see that all these guys are maybe having a little bit of FOMO 
as they're seeing Drew throw the rock around and uh, trying to get here and, and, and get in on the goods. Yeah, exactly. And and the defense has been getting together at times, doing some position things, getting with teammates as well. So they're doing as much as they can to stay in shape, really build some chemistry. Probably not even on the field is the most important, but just build that chemistry um, off the field while doing it on the field, really. And if you want to build chemistry with your comrades, get yourself a 15-pack of Mile High City Copper Lager. Uh, it is a delicious beer created by Breckenridge in, in conjunction with the Nuggets. It's got a beautiful can, nice, uh, crisp, refreshing taste, uh, and just a, an all-around good beer. So make sure you check that out. And, of course, make sure you check out uh, the Breckenridge Brewery Farmhouse. Great food coming out of there on a daily basis. So uh, call them up, make your order. Uh, and if you go online and make your order, you can get uh, a discount when you use the code DNVR. So support Breckenridge Brewery because we love them. And guys, Father's Day is coming around, and there's no better way to show your father you love him than by taking care of the family jewels. And you guys can do that by giving him the gift of a manscape and specifically that lawnmower 3.0 to make sure that your dad's all taken care of. And the perfect package for his perfect package would be perfect gift for him for Father's Day. Perfect package, of course, comes with that led light on the lawnmower 3.0 the 90 minute charge on the lawnmower 3.0 the advanced skin safe technology to keep your dad safe and it comes with the crop preserver and anti-chafing deodorant the crop reviver a spray-on toner and of course that travel bag disposable shaving mask and the comfiest set of anti-chafing boxers and guys while you hook your dad up you can hook your wallet up by using that code DNVR20 to save 20% off your entire purchase and free shipping. So get your dad the best gift out there and save 20%. Hit that code DNVR20. All that talk about the perfect package. And you know what? We start our comments with a perfect package of catchphrases <laughs> of the DNVR Broncos podcast. My boys! <laughs> you want to... St- Here's the thing. <laughs> 75. Cost control quarterbacks love. Dishwasher salmon. That's a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> Joe and Aurora, great comment there. <laughs> oh, All right, next, man. Next one <laughs> here is uh, from Mile High Mike. He says, couple random takes. Any strong disagreement? Uh, and y- yes, uh, on both accounts for me. So we'll, we'll get into these. Uh, one, he says, I'm all aboard the lock train, but if Aaron Rodgers claims his Denver next, uh, next year, he wins two Super Bowls before retiring. Is that too many? Uh, yes, I would say so. And, and the reason is, you know, it's not as if Aaron Rodgers has never had a good team around him. Uh, I'm a big love this, Ryan. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, you know, Let's no. go. I think, I think Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback, but I don't think that uh, he's been held back necessarily now he's never had the weapons that he would have in Denver uh and he would have an incredible package of weapons if he came here but two Super Bowls I'll I'll say he maybe wins one Super Bowl he has a good chance of winning one two two is a bit much for me speaking of perfect packages he would have a perfect package of weapons in Denver if he was here because you would have Jerry Judy KJ Handler a wide receiver one in Cortland Sutton Noah Fant I think would end up being because you're getting him in his prime 
the best tight ends that, that he's had. But remember, the Broncos only got one Super Bowl with Peyton freaking Manning. So I think if they did get Aaron Rodgers, they would get one, and you'd be happy, and you'd take it and be grateful. Yeah, and I, I certainly didn't think we'd be talking about Aaron Rodgers' perfect package on this podcast, but you never know what's going to come when we're all three on a podcast. And yeah, that, that's exactly it. Mace is, I look at Peyton Manning. Aaron Rodgers would have a similar window as Peyton if he came here, four-ish years. Peyton got to two. 1-1, one, one. come on. I mean, you guys know I'm never going to say Aaron Rodgers is going to do more than Peyton Manning. So, no, he won't get two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next one here, he says, though it may seem so, this is 100% not a political take, but a football take. And here it is. Colin Kaepernick did not sacrifice his career for his cause. He's just not a good quarterback, so nobody paid him, and he blames the controversy. Uh, I couldn't disagree more strongly with this one. Uh, you you got to look at some of the quarterbacks that teams are throwing out there on the field. I mean, somehow TJ Yates is starting a game every year. Matt Moore is out there getting starts every season. Uh, you know, I could go on and on and on. Not only do I believe that Colin Kaepernick would, would have – I don't know where he is right now, but at that time would have been one of, if not the best backup in the league. I think he was significantly better than a lot of teams' starters. I mean, with all due respect – uh, Colin Kaepernick is a lot better than who the Broncos threw out as starting quarterback in 2016, which is Trevor Simeon. Uh, you know, and I think if he was at quarterback for them that season, they probably would have gone to the playoffs. So I, I really don't think it had anything to do with his football talent. Uh, I think he was more than qualified to, to play in this league. I think if it was uh, the, the NFL wouldn't have paid him that settlement, which was what tens of millions of dollars, I believe if it was just because Colin Kaepernick was a bad football player. The NFL doesn't give out charity money like that. They, they, they had something. Uh, there was a legitimate case there for Kaepernick to win. So I think it was more than just he was a bad football player. Yeah, he. I mean, is he an elite quarterback? No. He was mid-tier to maybe even lower mid-tier by 2016 with a bad 49er team. but. He was always among the 32 best quarterbacks walking the earth. Probably more accurate to say he was somewhere between 16 and 22. And to have that guy not have any place in the league, starter or even top backup, the system's gone afoul a little bit if there wasn't a place for Colin Kaepernick at the time. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the backups should really, really illuminate that. Forget the starters. Um, but, you know, and even the, the some of the – people that you see out there starting football games you know there's I've had this conversation a lot there's really only like 16 good quarterbacks in the world and at that time Colin Kaepernick was right on the edge of being in that group but you know you talk about most teams have two or three quarterbacks you know that's upward towards 100 quarterbacks in the league at any given time he definitely deserved to be in the league yeah Kaepernick's kind of on was on the uh you know, Aaron Rodgers, kind of that 17th guy when, when we're talking about the 16 oh, greats. You have to get that dig in, don't you, Zach? You just have to. Hey, I'm, I, I know Drew Locke's going to be the truth, so we don't even have to worry about Aaron Rodgers in Denver. Well, Agreed. just like I, I was worried about Tom Brady, so I, mean, <laughs> I kind of get, get where you're coming from. Count Locula, the pit, 
at the University of New Mexico is insanely loud. I saw an average Lobo team beat a seventh-ranked Utah with Andrew Bogut, and the crowd was the X factor. That arena is an underrated college basketball gem. Love the count. RK, you've been to the pit, right? Uh, one of my greatest <laughs> uh, memories, honestly, uh, in sports. Uh, it, just because it was very unique in the experience. Uh, it was the first time the Buffs had been to the NCAA tournament in many years. And they went down there after winning the Pac-12 tournament in Los Angeles. They went down, I believe, as an 11 seed, taking on a, a 6 seed in UNLV. And it was just that, that nice distance. You know, I think it's a 7- or 8-hour drive from Denver to Albuquerque where a ton of Buffs fans made the trip. And we filled up. I don't know, a large section of the stadium. And then there were a lot of Lobos fans there too, who just kind of, I think, felt the energy of the Buffs fans and jumped on with us. And so it was a full stadium all the way in New Mexico of people cheering for the Buffs. And the Buffs went on to upset UNLV. It was just, it was an incredible experience. I would go back to the pit in a heartbeat. And I would honestly go back to Albuquerque in a heartbeat. And New Mexico as a state, I think there's a lot of, a lot of gems there. What yeah, makes the pit yeah. so cool? So you enter the stadium on the, on the top. Um, so, the, so it's dug into the ground. And you, right as you walk in, the ceiling is all completely black. Um, they've got like the showtime lighting. So it just, it feels like you're entering like a big time environment. It's super dark except for, uh, except for the, 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 uh, the court there. Uh, just a really nice facility overall that they have like luxury boxes and stuff. So they did an incredible job there. And the way that that ceiling is, I don't know what it is about it, but it really holds in the sound really well. Dang. Yeah. It's, I, I was down there, but I was sitting courtside cause I was, I was covering uh, the event freelance at the time. So that, I think that was, that was the last game of the day, if I recall correctly. So unfortunately, even I was starting to, to fade a little bit as I was as I was chronicling my fourth basketball game of the day, have writing recaps after each one. But the Buffs crowd, they brought the energy, and that really kind of that that perked me up sitting there on press row. And it was it was a lot of fun to be there, and uh, it was my first chance to to meet to, to and cover Tad Boyle, and uh, just I'll, I'm impressed with him as a coach and a person to this day. But the pit is amazing, and you talk about how you enter from the top and you go down. Well, kind of the locker rooms are about halfway up. So when you're that you, you, if you're a player or if you're media, that's going to go talk to the players, you go up a really long ramp in the corner, uh, basically up about kind of halfway. And then you get to the locker rooms and all that. So if you, it, for those who recall basketball history and, uh, the great 1983 national championship game between NC State and Houston. You just when you when you see them going up and down, when you go down that path, you picture kind of your glad like gladiators kind of walking down the ramp into the into the arena, into the pit. It's it's an impressive place. I just I wish New Mexico basketball fans had a little more to cheer about recently in basketball because they've struggled the last few years. But it's a it's a very well supported program and. Uh, it's it, hopefully they'll get back on track at some point man that that's awesome and the drive from vegas to albuquerque is eight hours the drive from boulder is only seven but i mean 
man, why weren't there more Vegas fans there? That's that's disappointing. Maybe that's a show of what's going to come for the Las Vegas Raiders. I think Lobo fans also do not like UNLV at all because mm. being in the same conference, I think there's some hostility that got built up. So the, the Lobo fans that were there that night were going to default to CU coming in and trying to pull off the upset, and of course they did. Yeah, and you, you had like one section of UNLV fans and probably like four or five of Buffs fans. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just I don't really think UNLV gets a lot of support as a program as a whole. Um, who knows why? Which is, yeah, that's crazy. Well, Next one coming in from Love Thunder Down Under. I haven't been with, I haven't caught up to all the pods in the last week, so forgive me if you've discussed this, but probably about time to change the Redskins franchise name, right? Washington Warriors sounds good. Other ideas? A long time ago, I believe that the the team took out some trademarks on Washington Warriors because they were investigating buying an Arena League team for the DMV, and that's what they were going to call it. To me, Warriors make sense because they could literally keep everything else. They could keep the logo. They could keep their colors. They could keep they could keep all their iconography and just change the name. Yeah. I mean, to answer the question directly, yes, it's, it's, it's not, it's past time for a change yes. of that oh. name. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen to be honest. Wasn't there a big push a couple of years ago and it, it didn't quite get there. I mean, now if there's ever a time to really make the push and have it go over the edge, it, I feel well, like they, it would be now. There was a push that involved taking away the trade, the uh, the exclusive copyrights and trademarks and so forth, because the name was a racial slur. And if that had gone through, then if they wanted to make any money off of their logo and likeness and all that, they would have faced, they would have had to change the name. Yep. Uh, next one here from Buff Devil, and this is a, this is a cool one. Says, hey, fellas, just ran into RK on the street near the Capitol during the protests on Saturday. I was the guy who was listening to the podcast, walking from the protest to my job. Yeah, I was walking up uh, towards where the Broncos were. He was walking away, and, uh, you know, he saw me, and he was just like, RK, RK, you won't believe this. I'm listening to the podcast right now and showed me his phone, uh, which, was, which was a pretty awesome moment. That is too cool. Quite the coincidence, too. Um he says, now to introduce myself, as this is my first ever comment, even though I bought myself a subscription for Christmas. I'm a Colorado native that grew up in Boulder, hence the buff, and a recent Arizona State alumnus, hence the devil, that moved home last summer. I earned my degree in sports journalism, so I understand and appreciate all the work that everyone at DNVR does to provide stellar coverage. I'll end my first comment here. More to come. Buff devil. Ooh, oh, that is awesome. so cool. So Although, cool. I'm left with the question, buff devil. When ASU meets CU, who you're pulling for? <laughs> yeah, I have a friend who grew up a CU fan and went to Arizona State. Um, and he was, a, was a, actually a bigger CU basketball fan growing up. So he usually cheers for CU in basketball and ASU in football. Wow, yeah, those I feel like the college would bleed through. I don't know. Those childhood loyalties are tough to shake. I mean, if, uh, if, if Carolina played USF at – probably have to I'd have to cheer for Carolina I mean you can't you can't get out of your system what's been in there for as long as you can remember it's not that easy that's why RK's in the perfect spot he grew up a buff fan he went to CU I mean it's so, easy 
clear. Funny enough, I, I applied to one out-of-state school, and it was Arizona State because of that friend who I said was at Arizona State. And I really considered going there, but it was it was exactly this dilemma that really uh, finished it off for me. I was just like, I can't imagine on a Saturday being at Sun Devil Stadium instead of being at Folsom Field. Like, that just doesn't compute in my mind. I, I can't imagine it. I also can't imagine, you know, saying, oh, like having that weird dilemma of like, who do I cheer for? Like, it would have been so obvious for me. It wouldn't even have been a question. I was obviously going to cheer for the buffs and everything. So I was just like, yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, this is a good reason. Also, back then, you, you didn't have the opportunity to like stream any game you want onto your computer. And I was just like, how am I, I'm not gonna be able to watch the Nuggets and the Avs and the Rocky. Just, <laughs> I was like, I can't leave the state. It's just not possible. And then it came down between those two in-state schools, CSU and CU for you. And that was even tougher, wasn't it? Oh, so tough. Yeah, really tough. Really <laughs> tough choice. Sir James Radio coming in. DNVFNR, stand up. Seeing the pictures of the march through the multiple posts from you guys really made me feel connected to the march as someone from Southern California. Amazing to see. I have chosen not to attend any of the protests near me as I work with elderly people on a daily basis and did not want to rise endangering um, with them with the virus still very much alive out there. So thank you for allowing me and anyone else who isn't from Denver, from the Denver area to be connected through you. You're quite welcome. Appreciate it. Thank you. I mean, thanks for following us all. But uh, that's what we were just trying to do, kind of bring uh, bring the sights and the sounds and the uh, and the sentiments to people who who couldn't be there because not everyone could, could not everyone who wanted to be there could could actually be there in person. So I'm glad we could share it with you. From Mile High Magic seventy nine, has there been any movement on the Justin Simmons contract, or has the Rona quelled any existence of an environment to work on it? This is like almost every other franchise tag player that we've seen go through this process. If and when these things happen, they tend to happen at the last minute. Teams are, teams are always waiting for other contracts on other franchise tag players around the league to come in to, uh, to kind of set and, and figure out the market. So it's not that there hasn't been some movement. It's just that these things are usually – done in the last couple of weeks and usually the last and more typically the last couple of days before that deadline hits yeah and we still have five weeks until that deadline so i wouldn't expect much until that very last week before we move on a big shout out to wgt we'll have another tournament coming up this weekend dnvr2 our second country club is open if you weren't able to get into the first one uh and it's already filling up quickly so make sure you go to dnvrgolf.com, download WGT, go to Country Clubs, enter in DNVR2, no space, the number two, and, uh, and get in on that because we're filling up quickly and we're going to have another tournament this weekend. So it's really fun. It's easily the best golf game you can play on your phone um, and even some better than some of the, the console golf games. It's, it's, it's an incredible game and uh, it definitely helps, uh, you know, hit that golf fix in the middle of the week when maybe you can't get out to the link. So make sure you go to dnvrgolf.com and download it today.
And speaking of easily the best, Green Mountain Dental is easily the best. They're family-owned. They're extreme Colorado sports fan, just like all of us. And guys, if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from them. So all you have to do is take care of your teeth for them to hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. Guys, they're just 15 minutes from downtown Denver. Big-time sports fans and a partner of ours. So support them because supporting them is supporting us. That's Green Mountain Dental. Schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam and get that free Sonicare toothbrush. All right, next one here is from Broncos Sooners, New York Rangers. Hey, y'all, happy Monday. A couple things I wanted to say. One, if John Elway had been the quarterback for the 1977 team, would they have won the Super Bowl? We look to Mace. <laughs> oh, Mace, oh, you're yeah. muted. <laughs> yeah, muted for the, uh, for, the, for the reads there. They wouldn't have won. And part of the reason is that Elway, mobile as he was, would have still been under siege from the Cowboy pass rush that day. Broncos offensive line did not do particularly well in that game against Randy White and Harvey Martin and the other Titanic players the, the Cowboys brought in their front seven. I, I think it would have been a closer game, but they wouldn't have beaten the Cowboys. That was a truly great Cowboy team. Next one here is, what is the greatest stadium food you've ever eaten? I can tell you the one that's, that's the worst I've ever eaten. <laughs> 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 Some raw breakfast patty sausages oh, at like 1 a.m. <laughs> oh. God, that was so bad. The oh, best man. stadium food. You know, at, at, uh, at the Rockies games, they have, you know, the terrible nachos that you get, which is actually just like cheese, and then you dip um, uh, chips in, and they call those nachos. Those aren't nachos. Still but, good, by the way. Uh, yes. Those aren't those aren't nachos, though. That's that's cheese dip. But if you find, I don't, I don't even know why they separate it, but if you find the right nacho spot and they make the nachos like nachos are supposed to be made there, oh, they're so good. I'm so hungry. They're, <laughs> there are so many good choices at Coors Field that we've been robbed of over the past two and a half months, and it's killing me that I can't go and have a Helton burger or the nachos or a Diablo dog or a Tucson dog or any of the choices. But for me, the best stadium food I've ever had is if you guys have ever been to Oracle, Oracle Park in San Francisco where the Giants play? No. I have. Awesome okay. stadium. The Crazy Crabs – stand that they have out beyond center field and you can get a dungeness crab sandwich that is basically between two pieces of, of buttered sourdough bread it's 18 dollars, so it's not cheap but it's incredible and they usually run out at some point midway through the game so if you're ever going to a giants game out there and you want that make sure you get it early i made the mistake once when I went out there, not getting there till the seventh inning, and they were gone. So I settled for the uh, – they had a shrimp a, – a bay shrimp roll, which was really good, but I wanted the crab sandwich. And then the next day I went back and I had, I had the Dungeness crab sandwich, and it was incredible. That's, <laughs> there are a lot of great options there, but uh, that's the one that tops the list for me. Man, there's, there's so many good ones. Um, I specifically – I don't think it's there anymore, which makes me sad. There was this uh, a burrito bowl place at Coors Field that, like – somehow made better burrito bowls than like any of the places that you get restaurants. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that one I think is gone. Um, I also had the, these chick there was like a testing, a food testing thing for the Broncos last year as they were like showing off some of the new foods and very simple, 
but they had these chicken tenders with like 27 different sauces that you could choose from <laughs> and maybe the best chicken tenders I've ever eaten. Yeah. Then the, the, the number one one that I think about maybe the most often is at Coors Field, they have something called a tornado and it's spelled like dough mm. on the end, like, like bread. Uh, and it's like, it's basically like a cinnamon roll meets a churro and it's like soft and buttery and cinnamon mm. and sugar. And I could probably just eat like three of them in one sitting and they're like a foot long. I wasn't hungry. My daughter hungry. loves those. They're so good. <laughs> I so wasn't hungry when we started this conversation. Now I'm starving. And, and you, just, you make, yeah, you make sure the stuff at the Broncos stadium my favorite item there, they don't make anymore. There used to be one concession stand on the club level where I could go and I could get a pulled chicken burrito, but I could get two layers of green chili. I could get a layer of green chili in the burrito and then get it smothered on top. And during the Broncos March to Super Bowl 50, I got that almost every game. I forgot to get it before the Raider game and the Broncos <laughs> lost. So my fault. Next home game against the Bengals, I was back there with my green, chi- my green chili on green chili burrito, and they won. So I wish they would bring that stand back, the ability to kind of customize my own burrito and have two layers of green chili because, man, that was incredible. And I would bring it back to my seat at the press box. Inevitably, Pat Graham of the Associated Press would say, man, where do you get that? Man, I'm, I'd love to have that. And I'm like, Just go downstairs. You can go get one. But <laughs> shout out to to pat graham pg great dude <laughs> yeah is. i actually i bumped into him at the grocery store last week we talked talked for a while it was actually uh it was actually good to uh see see some other members of the media that's why one of the, i kind of enjoyed uh saturday's uh march because it was a chance to see some people that i haven't seen in a few months i've been missing uh some of the some of the guys and gals that cover this team totally Okay, three is for Mr. B. Four, if you could add one of these groups to the team right now, what would you pick? The 1998 offensive line or the 2015 defensive backfield? Ooh, I got to go with the defensive backfield, even though um, it's a good safety core in particular. But remember that 98 Broncos O-line didn't have Gary Zimmerman. He just retired. Man. Oh, with Drew, though, if you add that, then there's just no excuses on offense moving forward. Give me the offensive line. Yeah, I want the offensive line, too. I realize they weren't perfect from the tackles, um, but I think that the defensive backfield is pretty solid right now. So I think you get a, you have a bigger chance for upgrade on the front on the front side. Next one coming in from Orange and Blue all over. The past two weeks have been very difficult for me. No, it must have been very difficult decision but can't express how much i appreciate you guys speaking up on everything love our dnvr community and our broncos no question today just a thank you oh and rk that birthday twitter announcement blew my mind no wonder sources trust you you can keep the secret my man (laughs) (laughs) all right next one here is from world of suck taking a good look at the melvin gordon contract i still see the argument that he is overpaid but i look at it this way Melvin Gordon's contract is two years, $8 million per year. It wasn't long ago that many were saying it would be wise to sign Connor McGovern. He wound up establishing his value at three years, $9 million per year when he signed with the Jets. So would you rather have Melvin Gordon for $8 million per year and Cush with the 83rd pick 
Or would you have preferred signing Connor McGovern for $9 million per year and taking Zach Moss at number 83? For me, it's pretty obvious. Melvin and Cush is the better route, and it's not particularly close. I, I totally agree with that. And the getting Cushenberry there, I mean, this is a guy that, in my mind, was going in the second round. So you kind of lucked out there, got a steal there. But, hey, you did it, so I would take that. Okay, I look at that, and I'm like, are those my only two options? <laughs> yes, Mace. Because I'm thinking in my world I could have Cushenberry, Jason Peters, and Devontae Freeman. Yeah, you could. No, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, take, uh, I'll take Melvin Gordon and Cush. All, All right, right, next one here is from Larry Den Jr., LDJ. Hey, guys, Mace. The writing you're doing on DNVR, in light of all that's going on in the world today, no words, man. I'm blown away. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it, LDJ, man. Love, love hearing from you. Thanks for the live streaming for us Broncos fans that don't live in Denver. I love the pick of Jerry Judy's arm around Pat Shermer walking. It's so powerful to me. I watched everything thinking to myself, Judy, Jarrell Casey, no one has done in-person press. People haven't met the new Bronco acquisitions. And little kids, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Indian, got to meet Jerry Judy or any of the players for the first time at this march to end systematic racism and police brutality. I imagine that will have an impact on their lives and their thinking because they are the future. Happy to see that. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying in the first segment. Like, the fact that they were just walking amongst the people, to me, was the most powerful part of it all. Uh, he goes on, I'm going to be honest, my lease for Vic Fangio and John Elway is much, much shorter. I take issue with Elway, Pete Carroll, Jerry Jones, and their statements given that they were part of the problem in painting false narratives about Kaepernick that provided BS excuses for why he wasn't in the league. On the greatest stage to be able to bring attention to this very issue plaguing society today. I wish Elway never said that false narrative as if he gave Kaepernick an opportunity, especially uh, considering the crap we had at quarterback since the 2016 season. Uh, I wish he never did that, and I wish him, along with every NFL executive and owner, uh, I wish they didn't encourage players not taking a stand. It's beyond difficult to see Elway and the NFL really uh, wanting change because they are getting such dreadful PR. But I'll give Elway a chance because unlike Fangio, Elway's uh, and Elway's tone-deaf responses, you have Chris Ballard from the Colts who has, uh, who by far has had the most beautiful response. He's been transparent and honest about mistakes he has made and what needs to happen and what he would do to fix it. I hope L.A. and executives hear Chris Ballard's response and Drew Brees and take notes from him uh, because this is how we'll win this fight. Thank you for your article, Mace. It's always the right time to do the right thing. Powerful quote. Side note, we should, have a ca we should caption this game with the Pat Shermer, uh, Jerry Judy pick. I keep imagining J Judy saying to Pat in the pick, I could be what Macklin, Thielen, and Beckham were for you. Only better. Give me a shot, coach. Jerry Judy is a Bronco. I just can't believe it. Oh, my God. So excited. <laughs> yes, Jerry Judy brings a ton of excitement. I got to meet Jarrell Casey, one of the guys you mentioned there, LDJ. And man, he's a good guy. He's going to fit in so well. And it's it's going to be exciting. It's going to be very exciting. And, and LDJ, um, I, I totally understand where you're coming from there. And there was actually a Kaepernick jersey, Kaepernick Broncos jersey at the march. If uh, and boy, that was a sight to see with number seven on it too. Yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. Even though we know he wouldn't have worn seven if he'd come to uh, Denver, but it sort of was a 
a glimpse of, of what might have been if, uh, if Kaepernick had become a Bronco, if they could have made things work in 2016. Jarrell Casey, by the way, ESPN posted this uh, not too long ago that uh, Casey was on a, the double coverage podcast with the uh, McCourty brothers. And he said that the way the Titans traded him to the Broncos after his years in Tennessee was equivalent to him throwing him away, quote, like a piece of trash, unquote. Wow. Is any pl- no player is going to have more motivation in week one than Jarrell Casey. Look out, Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> no doubt about that. Uh, and, you know, one thing I just want to clarify, because I feel like the timeline gets lost a lot here uh, with uh, the way things are with the Broncos and Kaepernick. John Elway tried to trade for Colin Kaepernick in 2016. It was actually very close to happening. Um, they had a deal in place. They asked Colin Kaepernick to take a very significant pay cut, basically a 50% pay cut for them to put the trade through, which is crazy if you look back on it. The Broncos wanted to pay their starting quarterback $7 million. Uh, that's what they were willing <laughs> to pay Colin Kaepernick. That was all before Kaepernick took a knee. So then, of course, Kaepernick takes the knee. That all starts. And when, when, when John Elway was asked about, like, why he didn't want to sign Colin Kaepernick, he essentially said Colin had his chance to be a Bronco. He didn't want to be a Bronco. So just, just so people have the timelines right there, because I see a lot of times on Twitter, people think that that all happened after uh, the kneeling, which is not true. But it, it's really crazy to think about how close it was. On the back end uh, of our website right now, there is still a draft in, that's just left in drafts of the official story that was we were just waiting to hit publish when the Broncos completed the trade for Colin Kaepernick. It was that close to happening. We already had the story written out. We were just waiting for Adam Schefter to tweet it so we could break the news. Or so and then I mean, the news. what what happens if they do trade for him? Not not only what happens with the Broncos 2016. Uh, do they make the playoffs? Are they not on a four year drought of the playoffs? But does Colin Kaepernick take a knee ever? Does all of that ever start? Who knows? Who knows? And if he takes a knee, does it have does it have even more resonance because he's doing it with a team that was the defending world champion? Is presumably a team that is probably steaming towards an eleven and five or twelve and four type of season in twenty sixteen. And then what happens after that year? If he's the quarterback of a team that's in the playoffs compared to the quarterback of a team that finished two and fourteen. I know that there might have been some objections to him in some NFL circles, but he would have been somebody starting quarterback in 2017. Right, exactly. Next one coming in from the other Ryan. My boys, thank you for your coverage and participation in of and, and out of the march that various Broncos players, coaches, staff participated in on Sunday. I feel like it was a pivotal, pivotal moment in Broncos history to which you played a role in, which has to make you feel like you were part of something special that you will each remember for the rest of your lives. I thought I'd share the following portion of an op-ed that I read this morning and found particularly salient. Here we go. Unitedly, we declare that the answers to racism, prejudice, discrimination, and hate will not come from government or law enforcement alone. Solutions will come as we open our hearts to those whose lives are different than our own, as we work to build bonds of genuine friendship, and as we see each other as the brothers and sisters we are, for, all, for we are all the children of a loving God. Prejudice, hate, and discrimination are learned. Thus, 
we call on parents, family members, and teachers to be the first line of defense. Teaching children to love all and find the good in others is more crucial than ever. No, no oneness is not sameness, or oneness is not sameness in America. We must all learn to value the differences. Very good quote there. And he says, well, my question for today is, if you could each steal one player from another AFC West team, excluding one Patrick Mahomes, who would it be and why? Have a wonderful week. DNV Army salute. Ooh. Mm, a couple guys probably, jumped to my head right away. Yeah, yeah probably Derwin James. Or, yeah, probably Derwin James for me. Derwin James, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Um, no one on the Raiders, really. I mean, maybe Rugs, but if you're going the Rugs route, you're just going to go Tyreek Hill. Yeah, Derwin I'm James. Not, I don't Joey want any Bosa. part of Tyreek Hill. I don't want any part of Tyreek Hill. Oh, that's true. I was just I was thinking purely <laughs> on the field, but you are inquiring him, or you're getting him off the field as well. So yeah, I don't want Tyreek Hill. Um, man, Travis Kelsey, Noah Fant, Albert O. I mean, you're you're not going to get three tight ends on the field, so maybe that would just be too good. But man, Derwin James would be tough to pass up. Yeah, Derwin James. That, that that's a great choice. Uh, Chris Jones on the Chiefs is another one that you'd think long and hard about because of what he do in the pass rush. Who I'm trying to think who I take from the Raiders. Um, man, that's tough. Um, in not a Darren complimentary Waller. way. <laughs> I, the the two names that come to mind are Trent Brown and Darren Waller. Yeah, Trent Dang. Brown. If you don't have to take the contract, would be great. I'm I'm yeah. probably going Henry Ruggs, be and because he's on the rookie deal too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, can you imagine that then? Jerry, Judy, Cortland, Sutton, Henry Ruggs, KJ Hamler. <laughs> that would be insane. <laughs> You'd have, I, I mean, yeah, that'd be wild. A year from now, though, I could if he if he follows up with a breakout year. A year from now, from the Raiders, my answer might be Max Crosby. Hmm. Potentially, yeah. yeah. All right, moving on here. Another long one from True True Champ Fan Twenty Four. I've always believed in aliens, but today I was assured of their existence. I was at Subway, standing in line with about six people behind me and two people in front of me. This guy rolls in, walks to the register, and says, I'd like to order a sandwich. Now everyone here notices him do this, and uh, the lady behind the counter says, you have to order down here and then come down the line. She said this very professionally. The man says as if he was very confused, interesting. He then walks to where you order the sub. We've all been to Subway and goes, I'd like to order a sandwich. <laughs> the guy behind the counter says, uh, we can do that, sir, but you have to go to the end of the line. These people were here first. The man again seems so confused, retreats to the end of the line and says, really interesting. He was dressed. He was well-dressed, spoke perfect English. I have no reason to believe a man of his age, 45 to 50, uh, and a man, uh, who one would assume is not foreign and has all of his marbles about him has never been to subway. He was confused as to how subway works. I see you aliens. <laughs> you aren't sneaky. Hashtag. They are here. Hashtag. They walk among us. Hashtag. The truth is out there. I know this isn't football related, but strange thing to witness. <laughs> Man, it just, it just reminds me of like men in black, a scene that would happen in men in black. A hundred percent. I mean, damn. Uh, it's, it sounds pretty, uh, pretty convincing. It <laughs> randomly reminds me of the story when I was at Subway once. 
and this man ordered a sandwich and <laughs> the sandwich is like completely made it's perfectly everything's fine but as the person is like dragging the paper down the line it clips like the smallest amount of mustard that was just on the table and then as they're wrapping it like this i mean i'm talking like a microscopic <laughs> speck of mustard gets onto his sandwich this guy like lost his mind and was like <laughs> i absolutely hate mustard you just got mustard on my sandwich you have to throw that away and remake the whole thing and like as Zach knows, in awkward situations, I can't help but to laugh. So I was like trying to hide myself from this monster, hating uh, monster, because I was I was like beside myself laughing like, into my shirt because it was so absolutely ridiculous. That is absurd. So what did they do? They threw it away and made it in a very awkward way. Oh well. Uh, I, this is a, another good part of the story. My friend who I was with was like, uh, I'll just eat that sandwich if you don't want to throw it away. <laughs> and uh, he got a free sandwich out of it. There All you right. go. What kind of mustard? Was it the like the French's yellow mustard? Yeah, just classic regular French's yellow mustard. Okay, well, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, speak out in favor of the tirade, but he does have a point. That stuff is vile. What? Wow. <laughs> just regular mustard? It's not real mustard. It's processed stuff. I like the mustard that's got the seeds in it or, or mustard that is like a grape coupon. But Mace, we're, we're, at, we're at Subway. This, you're getting a $5 foot long here. You're not getting $5 mustard put on your $5 sandwich. Which is why I'm not getting mustard on my sandwiches Subway <laughs> because all they have is the yellow stuff. My wife and I argue about this because – she likes the yellow mustard. I can't stand it. So I've always got, I, I think I have champagne taste when it comes to mustard. I mean, I could basically do the Grey Poupon commercials that they did back in the 80s. 80s. Wait, Ryan, Pardon Ryan, me, I got the Grey Poupon. <laughs> Ryan, it seems like you remember this situation pretty well. Do you remember if this guy looked anything like this third member on our podcast? <laughs> Actually, come to think of it. <laughs> I'm with you that they're, they're, the mustard world, you know, you really got to explore it because there are a lot of options. I think I have four different mustards in my fridge right now. Um, there are certain things that just call for like yellow mustard, like like a turkey sandwich, Swiss cheese, mayo, and yellow mustard Like is like the most classic sandwich. Like that's delicious. Um, but, you know, some things you got to spice it up. Uh, like you know a, a great hot link with some spicy mustard of some sort like that's great mm. too uh, but anyways mace you wouldn't have even known like as powerful of the flavor as mustard is there's no way if he took that bite of that sandwich he would have even tasted the mustard okay <laughs> i understand where you're coming from and again i wouldn't i would try not to have a tirade like this guy had but <laughs> Some people are very particular about the mustard and what they want on their sandwich. I'm just saying I kind of see his point a little bit. Oh, my God. Mace is siding with... Let it be known that Mace is siding with the mustard monster. <laughs> the I like mustard to surprise monster. you guys sometimes. 
that's you said you were gonna pack a bunch of hot takes into your four days on the podcast this week and <laughs> siding with the mustard monster is enough for the rest of the week so <laughs> oh uh, gracious well, well one place where you definitely don't have to worry about them getting mustard on your purchase is davidson's <laughs> two locations it's Centennial and highlands ranch locally owned massive selection uh and an extremely knowledgeable staff to get you anything that you're looking for out there on the floor. So make sure you head over to Davidson's in one of their two locations today uh, and, and let them know. Let them know on social media that you're part of the DNVR family. Send us a pic of what you bought, all that other good stuff. But for today, that's going to uh, wrap it up for us, for Zach Stevens and Mustard Monster Sympathizer Andrew Mason. <laughs> I'm Ryan Konigsberg. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.